0: Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to EvolveMembers.com, where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services, and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Today we hear from Michael French, Projects Coordinator at Grounded Community. Based in Boscombe, Grounded Community works to give the local community access to healthy, nutritious food. It grows fruit and veg, provides education and workshops, redistributes surplus food, and creates networks to help others share food. Its ultimate mission is to educate, share and grow, and connect the community with nature, food, and each other. Michael came to volunteer at the Secret Garden in 2014. Before that, he spent 28 years as a community education professional, engaging communities through youth work, supporting drug and alcohol recovery, community mapping, and as a nightclub chaplain. He now coordinates all the grounded projects and supports the community team. As you'll discover through the course of this show, Michael is both a really interesting individual and incredibly passionate. driven by a strong set of values and a vision that he lives by each day. Amongst other things in this great conversation, Michael talks about topics from the future threat of food shortages, how a realization in 2004 ultimately led to the formation of Grounded, to ethical consumption, and why opportunity can sometimes be the nemesis of an entrepreneur. He also explains the concept of a holocratic business system. This is slightly different to our normal episodes, but it's a great, great conversation. And I do hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Michael, to the Evolved 60 Succeed podcast.
1: Thank you, good to be here.
0: It's great to have you on the podcast. So for our uh, listeners, it'd be great for you to give them a slight insight into your background and a little bit about how you became involved in the Grounded community.
1: Yeah, so Grounded community, I'll explain a bit more about in a minute, but it's basically a food growing charity. And um, I'd never done any food growing before I arrived at Grounded. It wasn't even Grounded when I arrived there. It was a a garden that some people had developed, a school and church community had come together and cleared a derelict, unused bit of land and turned it into a flattened um, garden, which then had raised beds and a polytunnel put in it and a pond. And I arrived there in 2013. I'm having a very keen interest in environmental issues. Um, I'd been doing a bit of environmental campaigning and talking to lots of people. And we were actually making a video on environmental issues. And um, I interviewed a guy there called Alan Kenny, who's a horticulturalist who was running the garden um, in its early stages. And he had a very strong vision around uh, helping people learn to grow their own food. And And it really hit something in me. Uh, resonated with me. And I said, right, well, I'm going to give up some time here. And so I started volunteering two days a week. Um, but like I said, I I hadn't done any food growing before that. But there had been this interesting moment at probably around 2004, 2005. I'm from Guildford in Surrey. Um, I owned a house in Guildford on a, on a housing estate um, just outside Guildford. And uh, I was driving around one day and I just had this sort of daydream and I now call it a divine download Um, and it was three things it was there's going to be food shortages in the future you need to learn to grow your own food and and the and the the voice I heard did say get the church involved because they'll be well placed to help yeah Uh, the second was get rid of your mortgage and the third was get rid of your bank account so they were very interesting things. They me. are three I, interesting and concepts. And I was like, and I they? didn't, to, to be honest, I don't have any recollection of knowing anything about any of those subjects at that time. Yeah. But subsequently, uh, I have understood lots of different things about society and the way things work and how agriculture is under threat. Hmm. You know, food shortages are imminent, and, and we yeah. saw a bit of that with COVID. And I think it's going to get worse. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that are happening in the background of agricultural industry and we need to be monitoring that watching it very carefully um anyway maybe go into a bit more of that later and then um the mortgage element you know just being beholden to a system that you know we have big debts and we and it's for a long time and that kind of stuff so and the banking well you know that's up in the air as well you know with digital currencies yeah. and all that sort of change in the world. And so I don't know really what I was being told, but I, I have kind of tried to be a bit obedient to that. And I have got rid of my mortgage. I have started to grow food. Yeah. I haven't got rid of my bank account yet. There are no alternatives <laughs> that I can see that are very strong at the moment. So I'm waiting for that one. All but right. yeah, so that's where, I, that's where I sort of arrived at really. Having had a very strong community work background, um, but like I said, just absolutely no uh involvement in food whatsoever
0: so yeah it was I, interesting I, it is interesting and I'm, we are going to talk about grounded but i just need to talk to you about that kind of you know that divine moment that you say that you know you had this kind of epiphany moment of these three things and did you act on it immediately well the food side of
1: it i had like i said i had a house it was a big house i had a nice garden and i sort of went right okay i'll give this a go and i got some pepper seeds and i think i threw them in the ground and sort of covered them over with a bit of earth and maybe got a few other bits and nothing grew and i just thought okay well i'll give that up for now and i just leave it on the side burner you know and and so it just it just sort of yeah literally that and then i just stayed with me for quite a long time and i i moved to bournemouth um in 2008 to actually do nightclub chaplaincy so i was a chaplain to the nightclubs i was working in the night scene three nights a week out till four in the morning looking after drunk people i lived in a vicarage in the town center um and we actually started growing food in the back garden we had a polish um no, not Polish girl, a uh, Czechoslovakian girl who yeah. lived with us. And she uh, had some gardening background and said, oh, I'd love to get an allotment. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. That resonates yeah, with me. Yeah, let's of, do it. Yeah. So we started that, but that wasn't that successful. Um, And so, yeah, I had these sort of failed attempts, really, I suppose, if you like, which if you talk to any gardener, that is what happens. It's failed attempts that you keep
0: going at and then eventually maybe you succeed. I suppose it's like anything in life, isn't it? You you improve and you focus. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because there is a correlation there with business and people saying about having visions and having a purpose and Mm. setting out to say, right, this is what I'm going to do. And not losing sight of that, even though, Mm. you know, we hit hurdles along the way. Yeah. Keep focused and...
1: I have, this, I have this thing about vision um, that I've understood. It, it's this thing about if you have a vision, you hold on to it for quite a long time and you keep it in your periphery. And in your periphery, you sort of carry on with what you're doing right now. But at the time that I think that vision will come into line, mm-hmm. it comes into your vision site, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so I always keep whatever I've heard or whatever I'm holding in this periphery. And it's always on my radar, yeah. but it's not necessarily what I'm doing right now but eventually all the things i've ever been told i think really have sort of come into some sort of alignment and this this moment where i interviewed um alan in the garden yeah. was kind of that moment where i thought yeah there's something here and i need to follow
0: on with this wow. and so that's that's what that's I did. what you did and that's yeah. 10 years ago 2013 yeah. yeah. so grounded community and it was one site in Boscombe yep that yep.
1: stage secret garden it's called um, at the back of St Clement's Church in Boscombe yeah. um, so it was an old bit of church land they chopped a, a vicarage garden in half and then just left this land to to go to Rackham Ruin. so it's a beautiful Victorian walled garden um, it's got high walls brick walls all around it and um, yeah it, it was cleared like I said by the church and then we came along um, I came along 2013-14 and Alan had already been there for a year or so preparing it and we built started building volunteers and people coming but um, we also started to develop ideas around what it could be Mm. and we started an enterprise so our initial element was setting up grounded enterprises and that was to grow food yeah and we did start to grow food and we were selling it in bournemouth and i managed to um, acquire um, a greenhouse at a farm um, in the new forest and it's only 15 20 minutes away from town and i was going with volunteers three times a week um in a 40 meter greenhouse it's quite a big space for me Mm. as a as a new grower (laughs) and alan had to help me. (laughs) yeah alan had to help me and so did the people who owned the land helped me quite a lot in understanding what i should be doing and but we grew a lot of food and we were supplying food boxes to local people and, um, you know, maybe 15 to 20 boxes a week. And um, in, the, in the peak periods of, of the year and, you know, making a little bit of money, not um, I wasn't getting paid anything, mm-hmm. actually, at that point, And I have done this did it for six years without being paid anything. Um, but we were had a vision and we wanted to grow more food. And then around the end of 2018, um it had become quite hard work at the farm. The um, irrigation system wasn't working. We had to water everything by hand. And it was just, yeah, a lot of work. And I thought, you know what? I don't really want to just be a food producer. Yeah. I want to help people grow their own. That's what we started this for. So I came back to, to Boscombe and I, and I talked to people and I said, look, I think we need to do more than just growing food. So yeah. we began to shape the idea of this charity and so what happened through 2019 into 2020 was that we we shaped grounded community charity which is now an education focused charity that's still based at the secret garden but we've now expanded to uh, five different sites and we have 10 part-time paid staff um, as well as about 150, 170 volunteers. Wow. So we've got a lot going on um, and a lot to manage, really, yeah. with a small a small hours, you know, in terms of a team. We've got 10 people, but they're all part-time. So yeah. we don't have a huge amount of hours to to, to organise all of that. But it, it has really taken off. And especially in the 2020 COVID year, it, it sort of boomed. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: And was that because of that piece around food shortages and that kind of thing? Or did you... was it a time when the grounded community found its space within the kind of community and in in its charity work
1: yeah well it's interesting I mean if I go back to that that sort of vision you know of there's going to be food shortages in the future need to learn skills that have been lost sort of idea Um, you know this moment in 2020 where we started hearing about food shortages and we start everyone started wanting to grow food in their own gardens and people had time so they started to buy all the seeds up and we, where we'd normally get seeds from we're running out of seeds and it was like wow this is crazy and instead of having 10 to 15 volunteers in the garden we had 30 to 40 because it was outdoors and yeah people wanted activity so we were suddenly just you know inundated with inquiries and interest and and whatever and we'd just become a charity so we were like whoa okay well we've obviously in the right place here yeah um, doing the right thing so yeah that for me was a yeah kind of pinnacle moment where it was like yeah we are definitely yeah in the right place and i maybe i've heard right you know in terms yeah. of that sort of 15 year ago thing um yeah okay well let's go with this and it, it has just yeah sort of and you've been able and, to
0: maintain that momentum and, and that kind of
1: yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even just more so, just kind of taking off, really. I guess, and yeah. we're trying to plateau actually, and just trying to maintain, right. consolidate, you know, and yeah. Because we, you know, in our first year, we didn't have any money, and then we got a thirty thousand lottery grant, which was great, a great start for us, and yeah. um, that was part of the COVID emergency fund. Yeah. So we were we partnered with a uh, community fridge. If you're not familiar with community fridges, it's a fridge. This one was in a library. Uh, Shops or different people would bring their produce in that they weren't using and people would come into the library and collect that produce. But they'd been finding that people were quite desperate and people mm-hmm. would come in and there'd be like, say, 20 bags of Brussels sprouts that a, that a company would bring in. Um, and people who were desperate would just take 10 bags of Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit like, well, what are you going to do with that? You know? Like, <laughs> you know, and so, yeah, the mind boggles. But, you know, so that model was sort of not working very well. And with Covid, the libraries got shut. So this project then became homeless, and mm-hmm. as a new charity, I knew the people very well, and I'd been working with them a lot. We've been taking produce there. Okay, and- you'd been supplying them. Yeah, and- so I just said, "Look, why don't we combine? Um, we need a distribution for the food that we're growing." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you seem to need a bit more structure and and support and a place, you know, for what you're doing. So we actually combined and, and we eventually found them a home at um, St. George's uh, Methodist Church, which is now run by Food Bank in okay. Boscombe, the whole yeah. building. It's a massive building. It's like a food warehouse and a cafe and all sorts of stuff. But we, we rent some space from Food Bank in that building. And so we run a separate food project from Food Bank, but it runs in sort of parallel with what yeah. they're doing. And so we pick up surplus food from 65 supermarkets a week and we so that's about two tons of food um plus a lot more bread than that and we give out about 100 food boxes to low-income households in the area um every week in in boscombe so that's what that developed into just from a community partnership we sort of aligned at the right time um yeah they were homeless we needed some you know some distribution so so yeah just came together and we've now got a very strong team down there that, that are they're many more hours than they're paid for and um yeah giving giving the community
0: brilliant food that would otherwise be wasted otherwise would go to waste but does get spread out back out into yeah. the community yeah. but it's interesting isn't it? i suppose that resonation with business again kicks in is that sometimes there's serendipity opportunity comes along doesn't it mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. again when we've had other charities on the podcast it's you you think a charity and a business there's no alignment at all, but there mm. isn't. There mm. there is. Mm. There's there's a lot because it's about seeing the opportunities, isn't it? Yeah. And the collaboration yeah. and making things yeah. happen and and actually putting the pieces together to create something yeah better and great and absolutely yeah. Now just just very quickly because you mentioned the word
1: opportunity, I've been really pondering this this week actually. Um, the I heard this phrase someone told me once that was that opportunity is the nemesis of the entrepreneur and Think about that for a moment. So, opportunity can be or yeah. is the nemesis of the entrepreneur. So, I've definitely discovered that through through the time I've done this and anything else I've done, probably, uh, when I see an opportunity, I am quite an entrepreneurial minded person. Yeah. Although I'm not money minded, actually, I'm quite creative and like I see opportunity, and I'm like, right, yeah, we can do. Let's that. go. <laughs> and I and I do it. I'm a bit of a doer, like in that way. I'm a visionary, but I'm also quite a, a pragmatic doer. I want to see it done. Um, so, yeah, I, I know that I've. Fallen short a number of times or been distracted Mm -hmm. by the opportunity by the shiny new thing, yeah, the shiny magpie new thing. So, so you know, uh, one of those things actually was the sovereign center. Um, we tried to establish some raised beds on the roof of the sovereign center, yeah. Um, and I I knew I was going to do that, and it was a positive thing. Um, but I got offered, um a load of AstroTurf from uh, Little Down when they were changing all of their outdoor football beds, mm. and I was like, "Great, yeah, we can get all this AstroTurf in for free, and it'd be brilliant. We can make a, like a garden up yeah. there on the concrete the f- on the concrete flat, floor." Yeah, yeah. Beds but when that. I got it, it dropped off, it was like tons and tons and tons of this stuff, and and it was full of this black um, like rubber compound stuff that they put in it to soak right. up the water. And when they dropped it off, they dropped it so hard it broke the the um, Paving slabs that it dropped on. We couldn't even move it because they were so heavy. And it honestly, it took us three months of weekends to sort this stuff, cut it up, shake all this <laughs> rubber dust. We filled one of those huge containers full of this rubber dust out of it. Anyway, in the end, we did get this garden on the roof, and we put a load of you yeah. know s- sweat, sweat and tears, whatever, into this this thing. And we did, and we piloted it for two years. Um, it got quite vandalized up there, and it didn't work. All
0: right,
1: you know. So. Um, But through the relationship of that opportunity, um, we now have a community composting facility up there which has a rocket machine which composts about 15 local businesses food waste every week. So we collect it with the Coastal Bid. We partner with the Coastal Bid um, in Boscombe and we uh, have a a couple of guys that go around watering all of the the businesses plants in the town and removing graffiti. But whilst they're doing that on their little electric vehicle, they also pick up the food waste they bring it back to the composter. Um, we pay one of the guys a little bit more money to develop that and uh, yeah. to kind of move it forward. And we're now, yeah, composting 15 businesses, food waste, yeah. which we want to expand. We want to, ex- you know, um, yeah. increase what we're doing up there um, by getting another composter. Um, but essentially, you know, that, like I say, that opportunity with the raised beds and trying something, it didn't work. No. But through that came another opportunity for the composting to be up there and also actually bees. We've got, um, eight beehives up on the Sovereign Centre roof, and Peter Rusco, who's the Sovereign Centre manager, has been brilliant. The community-minded with how he's responded to us and supported us to try these crazy things, <laughs> yeah. crazy things out on his on the roof, on his the roof space. Yeah, and we've got more ideas. That he'll, be, he'll be really pleased to know. And have that, they just yeah, sort
0: but, of donated that space to you? So like the car park's underutilized type thing. Yeah, Use the space. yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think I think it ticks some of their boxes for yeah. you know um, social. Responsibility and also environmental yeah. issues. They, they're a community um, shopping centre, so yeah. they have that box to tick. And I know there are a lot of businesses around that do want, you know, have a heart yeah. to do that, not just to tick a box, but actually they want to support local projects. And so, and a lot of these places have spaces yeah. that can be used. So, I mean, we've put raised beds in different businesses locally. Um, that's another thing we do actually as a project. We have a raised bed scheme, so we can put raised beds into um, people's spaces, and we use some of our compost that we've created yeah. from from the roof to do that. Um, we buy in some from um, Eco Sustainable Solutions, yeah. um, f- and they give us a good discount on on their soil. So they're a big um, supporter. Yep, so they support what we do, and um, yeah, so we're trying to link with all these different yeah. local businesses and, and and make something happen. You and know.
0: if a business does want, you know, is interested in putting a raised bed within their facility somewhere, I mean, what sort of size space? It doesn't you have to be to big. I mean, the,
1: we we actually use those pallet collars, which are you know the size of a pallet, yeah. Um, and they sort of these things that wrap around a pallet and they have metal corners. You've probably seen them and. Um, we, we can stack those up to sort of say three high if you want a high one or if you want really low ones because they're on grass, for example, yeah. you can just put a low one on grass and they look they look nice, you yeah. know, and uh, we line them with with uh, sort of like a black plastic to yeah. keep them um, lasting a lot longer, fill them with soil and rubble and whatever else needs to go in. Um, the teams come in and do that. And then we help with plants to get you started and mm. a bit of training. We run courses at the garden because obviously we're an education yeah. charity. So we have basic skills growing courses and we'll teach people how to grow in those beds so that they don't just you know, lose heart and get bored and, and <laughs> yeah, whatever and give it, up. It's, yeah, it yeah. doesn't become that thing. That yeah, so we've, like done, we've done initiative. some schools, we've done some businesses, we've supported other projects. because other projects in the area doing stuff like this as well. Um, We supported a group called Your Planet Doctors and um, Forevermore Foods to put raised beds into uh, the chiropractic college, ACC college in in Boscombe. Um, They've got, I don't know how many beds that was, like 10, 15 beds. So, you know, they've now got loads of food growing in their space. Um, Yeah. So it's that kind of partnership. Do you you then then come and
0: collect the food and it? gets distributed through your channel how does that in that
1: in that context i think that you're trying to use a lot of it in their kitchens because they have they have catering for a lot of students there and it's health-based it's a health-based university um college so uh yeah they that's what they wanted to utilize was understanding about food and creating healthy food for their students and to give people experience of that um so we're hoping to do more partnership with them um on that kind of on that kind of level maybe even the composting um, yeah. you know, on, on their side of or course, I don't know. Yeah. But they're they're going to have yeah, food waste coming out of that. to
0: be, you know, to be continued. But yeah. And you know, is it this 10 year journey you've got, gone on, obviously, you know, the, the entity has morphed. It's gone from being commercial to charitable, to very much always being community based. You know, what have you learned about yourself, Michael, on mm. that 10 year mm-hmm. journey? Um, definitely that
1: I need other people with different skills to yeah. my own. Um, I was just saying to you earlier that that on our team, we've got some very highly skilled people. I mean, on our trustee board, we've got um, Mark, who's a solicitor and an ex-caterer. We've got um, Pete, who's um, um, ex-high-level NatWest Banking in in London and kind of ran all their systems. So, I mean, he's been brilliant at setting up all of our SharePoint and and financial systems that we've now got in place. Because for 10 staff, you've got to have... You know for, and yeah. personally i have none of those skills it's red tape um, regulation yeah things and you've got you know our, our chair of trustees um john amazing guy given so much of his time and effort into the project um he's an engineer um has worked for bournemouth steel for for years um doing all their bids and all their you know yeah. bid writing and stuff um he's actually just got a, a new job with the parks foundation um, as their CEO, I think, the okay. new CEO. So, I mean, again, he's got, and he'll be brilliant at that job because yeah. he's, he's got all this background of kind of caring in the community and exactly what the Parks Foundation want to do locally. Um, so yeah, I've learned that I need other people with different skills and they also hold me back when I get these, crazy entrepreneurial visions on you yeah, and just like... some rains on me you know and and kind of you know and, and yeah it's difficult at the time and we've definitely you know butted heads on on occasions with things but yeah. you know we're all in it with the same purpose so yeah. when you do butt heads and you and you sort of disagree about certain things um, you work around it you work yeah. through it you know you, we're all caring about the same stuff so um, yeah and that's how we have formed a very strong team and we know um, you know, when people have come along, we've like, wow, you'd fit perfectly into this role. So yeah. Sharon, um, who's our volunteer coordinator used to run prime health in, in this area, actually just over the road okay. from evolve. And, um, she, she ran it for, I don't know how many years, 20, 30 years. I'm not sure how long, but you know, that's recruitment. Yeah. So she's brilliant with people, the caring side of it. Um, she's got real environmental interest. Um, and you know so she's been great at coming in getting alongside people, but she's also got loads of really good organizational skills because yeah. she's managed big teams and she's you know um yeah super organized and neat and tidy, yeah. which I'm not at all so <laughs> so you know i've I've learned all of those things from other people, you know that these are skills and and character traits yeah. that that we need, we need um variety of and and it's hard sometimes to work with different people because you know we don't always see eye to eye, but at the same time. Yeah, if you've got a vision and you're working around yeah. the same thing, you move forward together, yeah. and, and we are, and it's a brilliant brilliant journey. And I think
0: that's one of the great things about charities is that there is always, for a strong, good charity, there is always a core purpose. Mm. And everybody does come in to the charity to get involved with it because they believe in that purpose. Yeah. So you have got this real kind of um, north, guiding North Star, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes businesses... Do have that, but sometimes, particularly as they've grown and they've developed, they lose that sense of purpose mm, mm. And, and get distracted. And you know, and that's yeah. why you see some businesses fail or yeah. culture not be strong. But usually, in a charity, it's easier, yeah, yeah, um to do that. But then yeah. I suppose there's there's a sense of it could be easier because you've got that sense of purpose. But there's a lot more p- possible passion mm. involved and that's where not conflict yeah. comes in but yeah you, know, you, you can butt heads because you're all passionate about the same thing absolutely yeah i mean there, there's some different
1: elements to that i mean we've, we've really worked a lot on things like our values mm. you know what are our values and a lot of businesses will do that they'll yeah. have a values base um but that can be a little bit kitsch and sort of you're like oh you yeah. know oh we, we, we're, we're sustainable or we're something else you know community minded or yeah. whatever it might be but um I think having with a charitable status, you also have to have charitable objectives and they're quite strong. And legally, you have to stay within those charitable aims. Those boundaries. Yeah, yeah, so we have to to revert back to those all the time. Um, One of the things that we have explored is um, what's called a holacracy, a holocratic system. Um, So we've actually put a system in place for our organisation which... is is slightly different from a sort of traditional hierarchical organization with kind of like you see at the yeah. top and coming down. And um we've actually built it into these kind of circle teams. Um so if you look it up online you'll find lots of information on this, but it's okay. a business system. Um and so we're all equal in a sense. We we're all equally paid. Yeah. So no one is paid more than others from you know the person who does the sort of any manual kind of element or administration to me, you know, as project's coordinator of the thing, oh, okay. we're all paid the same. Um some of us will do less hours than others, even though, yeah. you know, um, we, we're probably more more kind of crucial in a sense to the, to the operations. But um, so, yeah, it's a really interesting system and we've done a lot of training on it and trying to understand how it can work. So you might have, you know, you have your marketing team and your different teams, but you have overlap and roles so and that overlaps in the middle isn't yeah, it? yeah things that overlap and each project has a team as well and you, you know you each have meetings and then we have a projects meeting which comes together brings them all together and kind of shares you know monthly with each other what we're up to and tries to you know and if there's crossover and overlap everyone else gets to hear about that and where they could fit wow. into that and so yeah trying to just trying something different I guess um, yeah, yeah it's an, that's an interesting journey how long have you been on that journey um we we started trying it fairly early on in the charity okay. so, so 2020 maybe like 21 yeah we started trying. so about two years um, okay but we're learning all the time and developing bits of it and yeah. you know getting better at meetings for example because there's certain ways that you can hold meetings within the holocratic system and um, you know some of those are really beneficial like there's a decision making tool that you can use and you almost like go around five times in the group to kind of get a consensus yeah. um, it's not a voting system but you kind of once you've talked around this sort of situation that you're trying to decide on as a group it's really amazing, actually, how you sort of come into this agreement between you because you've heard everyone else and you've kind of understood the questions that are around why we wouldn't want to do it or what's going to be beneficial. Yeah. And then, yeah, you kind of go around five times. It seems a bit arduous at first, but actually, once you've done it, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, Just now the, we all agree. But there is no and, voting. There is no. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that then. Maybe mm. we should hold it for now or maybe we should, yeah. So it's a good good tool. So, yeah, that's what we've been...
0: Good tool for business yeah. to look at, you know, in, yeah. in terms of that aspect. too. Yeah remove conflict in decision making absolutely out yeah it's a really good one yeah yeah definitely mm. definitely and in terms of you know the charity so the education bit you know who comes in to be educated then is that general public or is that schools or, you know you, you've got these kind of three aspects really now haven't you as i see it if i'm right you've got the education piece you've got the growing piece being part of that community turning spaces back into more environmental spaces yeah and then you've got the how you use that food and how it's deployed for the better of the community into food banks boxes and that kind of thing so we just start with the education piece yeah you know how does that work how did that come about uh so like i said i mean we we had this desire to
1: see more people learn to grow food we've lost the skill and the connection to our food you know even even to be honest some of our grandparents generation were at the end of the sort of you know um, Second World War Victory Gardens, um, where at the end of the war the food was more scarce. They had to learn to grow more yep. food, and so I think we went from something like twenty-five percent of our produce to ninety percent of our produce in Britain in the space of nine months. It was that big yep. a jump through people starting to learn to grow. But the problem is, we've got now at that point they still had skills from their parents. Yeah, they still had more land around them. Yep. They still had. I
0: can remember growing up in my mum, dad Space at the end of the garden where they were growing veg. Yeah, and if you probably looked in all of the gardens, yeah, you know this is seventies, early eighties. Yeah, yeah. Every garden probably had a bit of that going on, but you wouldn't see it now, would you? And
1: and if you talk to older generations, most of their houses were quite big gardens, whereas now with smaller gardens, most people have tarmac them, you know, all that kind of stuff. And also we've lost the skill, and we don't even know anyone who knows how to grow food. You know, we may have a relation or a neighbour or someone, but we've kind of lost that connection. So a big part of what we've been trying to do is to reignite that in the community and get people skilled up. So we've been doing a basic skills course at least once a month. um, And that's anyone really in the community. And we we have a donation basis, so we don't want to eliminate anybody from being able to afford to come and do the courses. Um, But obviously if people pay full price, it often helps us subsidize others that come along um, so it's a few hour course on a Saturday usually so yeah it's a real mixture of people in the community and I think there is still this um, probably quite a sort of middle-class like novelty element to oh, I want to learn to grow food and keep yeah. bees and harmonize whatever but yeah um, but um, I think that as as um, society understands that uh, you know we've lost that connection and, and we yeah. need more food grown there will be a necessity and yeah. I think that's where we're going to see even more need for this this sort of element so we're we're like i feel like we're set up now to respond to a need yeah and i think it will come more and more i see it um but the other thing we do is things like this week we've done um a number of uh bee experiences for kids so we've got um an educational beehive with a glass top in our second secret garden um called the nursery garden and we took i don't know how many kids were this week maybe like a group of 10 but we've done like six groups i think in the in this week or something so sort of 60 kids or however many have got to go and experience bees put on bee suits get right up to them see how they work hear a talk from our beekeeper and you know yeah. and have that experience and the families too so um, yeah that that's great and obviously connects people it's like oh i didn't know that's where honey came from or you know that sort of thing where they might do in some way but until you really get up and see inside a hive and see them working and going crazy and whatever they do um yeah it's a whole different experience so that sort of stuff that experiential element um to education so it's not like we do these courses where you sit in a classroom and you learn all this stuff it's literally you know hands-on this is how you pot something. This is how you collect seeds. This is where you get this from. You know, um, this is how you start a garden. This is how you start growing something. And it can be as simple as, yeah, a few tomatoes on a windowsill to I've got this big area in my garden. What do I do with it? You know, so we, we try and uh, approach
0: all, all of those all angles and yeah, cover all, all of those, of those levels kind of yeah. Basis. yeah and then obviously you've got the growing bit which we've kind of talked about with the five sites now are mm. you looking to take on more sites
1: no we're not really i mean i think that's the point we we're probably at capacity of the spaces that we want to operate in um but we want other people to start yeah. growing spaces one of the things i'm doing personally um is um going back to the farm that i originally was growing in um, having now got grounded to the point where it's kind of maintaining quite yeah. well and we've got a good team. Um, I've taken a day out of my week to go back to the farm and start to try and get that back up and running and growing more food. Cause what I see is that yes, great. We're going to do urban growing and people are going to start growing in their gardens and we might start collecting um, from fruit trees that are in people's gardens that they're not you know, yeah. utilizing. Um, but the periphery of town has lots and lots of spaces and fields and, um, far small farms that some of them may be struggling that we need to start supporting and yeah. connecting in with. So there's a guy um, called Lawrence who's doing this Forever More Foods project. It probably is going to turn into something called Knock Knock, um, Nurture Our Community quite soon. But that's like a box scheme. And he really wants to see more food growing around the town so that the box scheme can support all these growers that are starting small holdings or one acre fields or yeah. whatever they're doing. Um, and I'm continually hearing about more and more people that are doing that, yeah. or at least they're trying to. They're trying to form little mini tribes and groups that are kind of setting up fields. And I'm hearing about ones that actually have been there for a long time, but you've just have never heard about because they've not been on our radar. Yeah. Um, so it's that sort of mapping process of looking around at what is there and then looking at what's needed. And I think what's needed is more of these kind of smaller you know, market gardens, yeah. kitchen gardens, small holdings that people take a risk and sell, sell up their houses and go and buy fields and go and buy these things and get more food grown. So that's what I've done. I've sold my okay. house. I've got rid of my mortgage. I'm um, buying a field. Um, I'm not going to be a live in the field, but I'm buying a <laughs> field. and I'm going to be growing food in the field and I'm linking it in with a farm um, which has got these greenhouses and we're hoping to set up a project there. But, you know, again, try these things, yeah. see if they work maybe it will maybe it won't but it's like I think we have to start taking those risks and for me I I would see it as like a 200 year project right. I don't see that in my lifetime we'll see the outcome of you know what we're what we're doing now um, I think it's a uh, long term investment really yeah. um, for children grandchildren etc yeah, to get that pick up something back. get those skills back start we've got to go backwards to move forwards in a sense yeah. we have to um, you know go back someone said well you've got to go back 50 years to the way they lived 50 years ago someone else said well i reckon it's 200 years and someone else said well maybe it's more like a thousand years. you know so <laughs> so we don't know how far we have to go back to kind of understand these principles we've lost this connection to yeah. the earth to nature to what we're doing and we we go on scale and we we build these models which are all about growth but actually we don't understand growth because growth doesn't just keep growing you know exponentially doesn't there's no there's no such thing in nature yeah. you know things have a capacity and and it's to do with what ground they're in how fertile it is um and there's a, a really good um training i did called the eco cycle which is like the figure of 8 infinity sign and the infinity sign has this kind of it's like um you know growth and then there's like um a kind of period of growth which is accelerated and then then it kind of is a decline and then actually it goes into sort of death really it comes right down into death and then it goes back up into sort of rebirth and and comes and reforms and um someone on this course said you know that all the best companies in the world are always adapting they're never static they're never looking at permanent growth they're always changing and you know going with the times finding the next curve Yeah. yeah absolutely so when we look at these natural cycles Um, It's not this, you know, sort of exponential growth thing. It's like we have to look at the natural way that things go. And so if we're just expecting that our company or our project is just going to continue to grow, 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 you know, even if we maintain for a while, you can still grow a little bit more. But, you know, there may be a point where you have to kind of dip down Mm. and then come back up again into something else. Yeah. So I think that's that's a really important lesson um, that we, we try and adopt within our ethos of our charity is like yeah. understanding that we're not always going to keep growing yeah. and picking up new Threat things the
0: gas all the time doesn't yeah. always work no it? not at all You're definitely yeah. in so many different kind of ways mm. um, and I I think I, I need to ask because I'm quite interested in your view on you know this need to grow our own food again get in touch with the earth again be more environmental for all so many reasons and on the other side of it we have this world that is becoming more and more about commoditization mm-hmm. it's coming more about the use of technology the use mm-hmm. of ai mm-hmm. the two are always in conflict aren't they and mm-hmm. you know what, what's your view on they're becoming a point in time when actually you know one or other has to re-dominate
1: yeah it's, it's interesting it? i don't i don't know how much of a division we're coming to with society. Mm. Um, but it feels we really, like we are. Yeah, we're, we're certainly moving towards that. Um, and I don't know, like I talked about tribes earlier, I don't mm. know if we're going to get to this point where um, you know, some people just say, well, actually, I'm out. You know, I'm not going to be involved in this system yeah. anymore. Uh, I I don't believe in that agriculture. I'm not buying that food. I don't believe in this technology. I'm not going to use my phone. I'm not going to bank. I'm not going to you know yeah. whatever system we reject. I'm going to homeschool my kids. You know yeah. whatever whatever decisions we make. Um, so I think we are hitting this this point of society where where we have some of those decisions to make. And what I suppose the question is what can coexist with mm. each other? You know yeah. will one yeah like you say will, will one species dominate the other? Yeah. I think we are being dominated by Corporate sort of systems yeah. if you like by the banking system by you know um, certain Ideologies or something that certain people have have said well, that's the way that society should yeah. go and actually even globally now We're seeing it globally aren't we it's sort yeah. of like a, a global Value really that we're operating under and and we are Extracting we're, we're, we're taking more than we're giving, mm-hmm. you know, there is some permaculture um, ethics um, of um, Earth care uh, people care and fair share so taking our fair share those three ethics in permaculture permanent culture it's um, a gardening sort of element um, are really important and understanding fair share in business are you taking out more than you're giving back yeah. to the earth and I know we to talk about carbon offsetting and stuff like that yeah. but that really doesn't work no, it doesn't giving money greenwashing giving money it? to in the, the government cases, yeah. you know giving money to tax yeah. you know um, because we i don't know burn a thousand tires or something it doesn't stop that polluting the air it just and what did the government then do i don't know what they do i mean do they do they invest in weather control systems that go and spray the skies i don't know i mean we've seen some evidence of that you know and it's not go down that rabbit hole but (laughs) but yeah but it definitely definitely are some things that they're involved in in terms of trying to reverse this you know climate issue um And i think they're going about it completely the wrong way i think and i think our narrative is is part lie you know it's not all lies because if it was all lies we wouldn't believe it but i think there is a narrative that's being told to us about climate you know elements Um, and i was a climate activist for many years but i see the lies and i see that the corporate element to it and trying to divert us to other consumers consumables um, whether it be plant-based foods there's a massive drive towards plant-based foods and maybe in the future bugs and all that kind of stuff, you know, that do we want that, you know, like why can't we eat certain elements of meat? You know, if it's grass fed, managed well, permaculture designed farms, small organic, you know, small holdings, for example, don't affect the environment at all. You know, they're actually very good for the environment, you know, Um, they regenerate good good soil. Yeah, yeah. good soil sequesters carbon, you know, it's like, and and, then the more of that there is, the better so let's put money into the smaller yep. operations rather than perpetuating this huge system that does damage so large cattle raising does with the soy production to feed the cattle and then the offshoots that goes into these big silos that gives off loads of methane mm. that does damage the planet Cows on a grass field pooing does yeah. not create methane. It doesn't, you know, it's proven, um, you know, and DEFRA and others should look at that, but they don't. Anyway, another another, <laughs> another, another thing. But yeah, so so I, I think we, yeah, we are in a challenging time. Um, and I think the small local responses are the way to go. Yeah. You know, if we can produce more food locally, yeah. it's less air miles. If we can only grass fed local meat, yeah. um, it's less pollution. Um, Coffee is another massive polluter. That's really high up on the food chart. If you look at any pollution food chart, coffee—sorry, everyone—is one of the biggest polluters. Um, probably because of the way they produce it. So again, where you source your coffee from? Mm. Do you get it from a local group that go to a local group in another country and it's done ethically and fairly, and it comes, you know, through good routes? Yeah. Or do you do it where they've knocked down rainforests and stuff, yeah. you know, already for it or palm oil? Same thing, you know, these big polluters in the agricultural world, um, we're not fighting them. We're fighting this carbon battle, which is a little bit of a sidetrack, I think, from what some of the main Just issues a bit are. Of a red herring it is a bit. bit I mean, it's, there's some truth in it, but yeah. it's not the whole truth. And I think yeah. if we start to tackle the issues of industry and agriculture and those things which are causing the pollution then we won't need to be carbon offsetting because the planet will do
0: it for us. Yeah, that's kind of the natural environment. But I suppose when it comes down to this thing, it comes back to grounded community again is, you know, as individuals and as small business owners and leaders, we can only take the steps ourselves, can't we? Yeah. And take some self-responsibility.
1: Yes. Self is an interesting word. Um, and we have this sort of like um, self-sufficiency phrase. Yeah. I prefer the phrase community sufficiency yeah. because we can't survive on our own. No. Businesses don't survive on their own. Absolutely you know, not. Individuals don't survive on their own. We're not an island sort of idea. And, and so I think we need to get into this different thinking of community sufficiency. And that's building others up to allow us to rise to um, yeah. collaboration rather than competition Uh, those sort of elements which which do which will make us survive and make us resilient and make us sustainable Um, yeah community sufficiency is the phrase that I love and try and work towards um, so yeah to get lots of people growing food together to share food to share seeds to swap trade you know kind of yeah all those elements that we again have have missed um, because we're too focused on ourselves, I guess
0: Fantastic. What a great way to end our conversation. But I always do end with one single question. And I'm really intrigued to hear your answer on this one, Michael. And this answer is not success for Grander community, but your success in terms of yourself. Yeah. You know, if I was to say, how would you define personal success? Mm -hmm. What would your response be? Mm,
1: That's a good question. Personal success. I... I feel, well, I feel like I I have a higher calling, if you like. So my, my Christian faith means that I, I lay myself down for others, for the community, for what I feel God calls me to. Um, so I think there is a deeper level for me of um, success is kind of, in a sense, being obedient, being hearing the call, the vision, you know, yeah. and responding to that. And that's sometimes self-sacrifice it's it's um hard work when i don't want to i don't particularly want to be a food grower you know it's not something i don't i don't love gardening like i'm not you know this is the so 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 success for me would be to see the community thrive to see see people working together to see more food grown. when i when i visited recently a franciscan friary in dorchester the garden there brought me to tears because it's so beautiful the overwhelm of the lush garden of the the, the, the nurturing that's been done, but also just the, the abundance of, of life and, and food and health and everything that you see in a garden yeah. is incredible. And it's so overwhelming. And I, don't, I think growing up as a urbanite teenage skateboarder, <laughs> never realized that, but actually um, that connection with that sort of nature for me just inspires me, it lifts me up. Um, and so if I can recreate something of that, which brings life to me, to my family, to my community, to my friends, to my neighbours, to others, and inspire others to do the same as these friars at Hillfield Friary in Dorchester (laughs) have done, I'll be a happy man.
0: Brilliant. Great. And if businesses do want to engage with you, if people want to learn more about the Grounded Community, how can they make contact?
1: So website is the best way because it's brilliant. Um, It is a great website, listeners. Yeah. Um, uh, www.groundedcommunity.co.uk. and um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook as Grounded Community Charity.
0: Brilliant. They're probably the best ways. Fantastic. Michael, thank you for your time today. I've been thank inspired you. by our conversation. It's been a different type of conversation than that we normally have on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Sure. But one that's been really valuable for me and I'm sure has been for our listeners too. Thank, thank you. you Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to EvolveMembers.com.